I've been hearing from so many people about our episode on Gen Z in the workplace. I'm calling in response to the Gen Z episode that I just listened to this morning. I wanted to uh, respond to the um, episode about the Gen Z workers. Yeah, um, this was in response to the conversation you had with Gen Zers. And the responses are really different depending on whether you were currently in the workplace, like, say, this listener. But I find that right before a given deadline, I have seen a lot of absenteeism happen from Gen Zers. And I don't really want to put my name out there, but it, it's one of the things that I really wish you would have asked. But those who have been out of the game for a minute, they actually like what they're seeing. I'm bored with Gen Z. I think what they're trying to do uh, is change things for the better. And just because my generation had to go through all of this and just put our head down from work doesn't mean that that's right. And I applaud them for bucking the system and trying to change things. Can I get your reaction to the Gen Z one? You know what? I I think that that's a product of its time. You know, that it's like, and the one that, the, the piece that stood out to me was, you know, sometimes I just need a mental health day. And I was listening to your piece saying, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine telling my boss, hey, I, I need a mental health day. But there are lots of things that at one time seemed unimaginable in the workplace. Telling people to cover tattoos. That was something that was absolutely solid advice, the late 90s, early 2000s. And then all of a sudden, tattoos became a whole lot more mainstream. So that's a shift that we've seen for sure. So consider this episode a coda. What does it mean to be professional in the post-pandemic, post-work-from-home, post-casual Friday workplace? Why are some of you stealing each other's food from the company fridge? Why have some of you just stopped saying hello when you see each other? We hear from a business etiquette pro who's getting plenty of calls from companies saying help. I'm Audie Cornish, and this is The Assignment. Okay, so um, just start by introducing yourself, who you are, what you do. Sure. My name is Kate Zabriskie. I run a company called Business Training Works. For the last 23 years, we've been helping people with soft skills training. So that can mean anything from business etiquette, customer service, to management, leadership. So walk me through like how it works with you. I've got a company. Everyone was home. Now they're kind of half home, coming in. And I call you up and I'm like, uh, I, I, I'm not loving how people are coming to work or not coming to work. People are starting to complain. What's your conversation with me like? What do you ask about? Oh, what are you seeing that you don't want to see? What are you not seeing that you do want to see? And so that's typically where we start. And then we try to figure out, is it a training issue or is it a management issue? So you've just done four questions. So let's see how you answer. So you answer them for me. What are the things people ask when they say, what is it that something that we don't want to see that we're seeing? What are the kinds of things they bring up? Um, people not answering their phones and being responsive during the day when they're working from home. So that that's a, something that may be viewed as unprofessional. Uh, people cooking dinner while they're supposed to be in a meeting and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. People not being on camera and I'd like to have them on camera. If it's people who are working from home, 
if it's in the office, the what you might be seeing that you didn't want to see. Uh, loud people in big open office environments, very basic things, stinky food. So person comes in with really smelly food and eats it sitting right next to me, person having very loud conversation next to me that I don't want to hear. And it's not a one-off, it's an ongoing thing. So some real fundamentals would be uh, things that we're seeing that we don't want to see, things that I'd like to see that I'm not seeing, Sometimes it can be something as simple as I come in here and people don't even say good morning to me. I'm not even acknowledged. I mean, a real fundamental, which makes sense that that's potentially absent because if you'd been working at home for three years, who are you saying good morning to other than your family and yourself? So some of that stuff that would have been very normal five years ago and just part of it, we're out of practice. Plus there was the whole distancing idea for many parts of the country. And so you came back to work and there might be one person wearing a mask, but not everyone. But do you want a handshake? Do you do that weird elbow thing? Like there was a weird period where we like couldn't figure out how we should even greet each other. Yeah, and touching. Yeah, absolutely. And, And there may be some holdover from that still about how much handshaking and touching do I really want to do? And we did go through some of that. Thank you for bringing that up. I had put that on a pause in in my mind, but we definitely encountered some of that. And then, you know, do we wear masks? You know, that would pieces of that too. We're here in a group. Do we make everybody do this? Do we make it optional? What's the polite thing to do? And every office had a different answer. You also mentioned whether or not it's something that actually needs training, which strikes me as a little strange. So what are the kinds of calls you get? Like, what are they... What are you trying to elicit when you ask that question? Um, Is this a management problem or is this truly a training issue? So if it's a training issue, usually it's a skill that's missing or a piece of knowledge that's missing. If it's a management issue, I know I'm not supposed to be stealing my coworkers' food out of the refrigerator, but I did it anyway. (laughs) So is bringing somebody in from the outside to tell you don't do this? Is that really the the right approach? Or do we need to say to people, this is not okay, this is unacceptable? But does that mean you have to be like, um, you're just a bad manager. This is really a <laughs> conversation you just need to have. It'll take 10 minutes. Or are you like, fine, pay me to do whatever? Like, how do you think about it? Both. We, we, we will tell them, you know, I can save you some money. And it sounds like this is a management thing. We can come in and, and help you learn how to have those conversations and sometimes we will say, you know, this is a management thing, not a training thing. And the person pauses and says, mm-hmm. so when do you think you could get down here? <laughs> because I want somebody from the outside having this conversation because I'm just not comfortable. And I said, fine, we, you can pay us and we will come and do it. And the one nice thing on a serious note about having us come do it is we do go, we go away. Um, and, and so you can bring us in, we'll do it, we leave. And then you can reinforce the message that we gave. And for sometimes, for whatever reason, people don't want to be having that message. You'll get that. So the pandemic created just like this huge moment of upheaval in work culture across the board. White collar work culture, also blue collar work culture, right? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, like who's an essential worker? Who's not? Who's coming in? All the little kind of battles that were happening there. What did you see during that time that were considered the big challenges as kind of everybody went through this big shift at once? Yeah, anytime there's a shift, 
I think people are learning a new environment. So when people went home, we were getting a lot of requests. How do I run a virtual meeting? What do I put on the camera? What do I not put on the camera? Do I even need to use a camera? Uh, What do I wear when I'm in front of my colleagues? Do I need to wear anything in particular? Is it okay for me to show up in my sweatsuit and my tracksuit? So we were getting a lot of that type of work. And people just learning the mechanics of how do I work from home and how do I interact with my colleagues. So that's a big piece of our work right now is, okay, let's bring everybody together. Let's talk about what we think professional means and what does it mean to us here? Because if you go into any office and you randomly poll 20 people and you say, I want you to define for me, what does professionalism mean? You will get 20 different answers in terms of what's appropriate and what isn't. And so a big Part of what we try to do is to have that conversation and to get people on the same page and to work through some examples so everybody understands the expectations of the organization. So um, I understand that like in the early days for your work, like one of the biggest sort of conversations was just around like, do you wear pantyhose or not? (laughs) It was pantyhose. And and it's a very funny thing because we were, we would go in and we would tell people professional dress and business in a business, not business casual, but just a business dress, for women, that is going to mean pantyhose. And then almost like a switch flipped and they went away. And not that you can't wear them anymore, but very few people wear them at the, or they're worn at the much, uh, not the same rate as they were worn 25 years ago. But it gets to the point of social mores changing and that it can mm-hmm. happen rapidly. Oh, it absolutely can happen happen rapidly. You get a new trend that comes in and all of a sudden people are doing something very different than what they were doing previously. I can give you a few more examples telling people to cover tattoos. That was something that was absolutely solid advice, late 90s, early 2000s. And then all of a sudden tattoos became a whole lot more mainstream. So that's a shift that we've seen for sure. When you talk about this evolution, do you think about, um, is it societal changes that drive it or kind of, what are the other kind of factors that can change things? Technology. Technology is a huge driver. So if we think about Let's dial it back a little a little bit farther back than 25 years ago. But if you think about jobs when you had a job and all you had is a typewriter and a telephone and you didn't have a computer. If you didn't have a computer, then you weren't sending an email. Maybe you would send a fax that you typed out and, and sent it. But if you think about even the way that you address the person on the other end, it would be dear Mr. Smith or dear Miss Smith or dear Mrs. Smith because you weren't writing the person nine times during the day. It was a much more thoughtful piece of writing or at least a slower piece of writing and you'd pop it in an envelope and off it would go. Well, all of a sudden, when we're writing each other several times in a day... Several times in an hour. In an hour or... Yeah, sure. But it would start to feel really weird if you were getting, dear John, dear John, dear John. So we go to, hi, John, and then it's possible, I always suggest, try to put the person's name somewhere in in your message. But it would be strange if you kept getting, dear John, dear John, and you just heard from the person four minutes earlier. So that's a shift and something that is different than what we were doing pre-computer. So it's interesting, when the pandemic comes along, 
it's a number of these factors you mentioned all at once, which is big technology change, meaning all of a sudden everyone's like, this video conference better work, right? It wasn't <laughs> before video conferencing <laughs> to me was like, yeah, I know someone somewhere does it, but like n- never in my business. All of a sudden everybody's doing it. And then the other thing you have is this like big shift in etiquette because we are all kind of like, we're going to be home, but how long? So what's cool to do? What's not cool to do? What kind of calls were you getting from the company dur- from companies during the pandemic? I think establishing what's the norm, you know, I, and people w- with little kids at home, this is a really good example. I think everybody was very tolerant early on. You had little kids at home. They had no daycare to go to. You're still trying to work. So if a little kid showed up in the middle of your meeting, not the end of the world. Three years later, if your dogs are going crazy and it's just this constant state of chaos, I think there's less tolerance for that these these days. So we were getting calls with, okay, how do we survive <laughs> initially? And now the calls look like, okay, what's the norm? And again, what's professional? Let's get you in here to have a conversation to make sure that we can all agree. And the thing that we try really hard not to do is, you know, I'm not the arbiter of taste. I'm not going to come in and tell you, you must do this and you must do that. That's not really the way that we're wired. It's really, let's get everybody on the same page and let's talk about what does our brand of professionalism mean. With workplaces becoming more diverse and diversity issues coming to the forefront, right? We've talked about that a lot on our show. How does, how do these etiquette teachings play into that? Because it, it occurs to me that there are some things about what I traditionally understood as etiquette that also felt like like a cultural policing, right? Like, or like, this is how it's done. But if you prod a little more, it's like, well, this is how you do it. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's like the most important thing in the world. And I feel like a new generation started to pick that apart a little more. So how do you think about those kind of traditional ideas and how they dovetail with like the kind of cultural moment we're in, where we're sort of more aware of cultural differences. If we were going to give you the quote unquote fork course, what are we going to be following? We're going to be following essentially what's going to amount to a European model, where there are lots of places all over the world (laughs) where people have managed to eat just fine with no fork whatsoever. And, you know, I would really challenge anybody who's an expert with a knife and a fork to go to those one of those cultures and pull it off with their hands with the with the same amount of agility that that the people in those places can that people in uh, those places can do so our approach typically is this is a way tell me about other ways that you know of to accomplish X, Y, Z, or, you know, how many people grew up someplace else? Or when you grew up, was this like this for you? Or did you grow up with a, with a different set of rules, norms, uh, you know, or was it, or if we don't want to get that specific and say, or was it different when you grew up? What does that bring you into territory that's uncomfortable or that you're like, uh, this wasn't (laughs) what I signed up for? I suppose it could, but for me, I was, well, that's interesting to know. Thank you for educating me that it it, it is different. Because again, I, I don't think that my role is to come in and tell you this is the way to do this thing. There are lots of ways to accomplish something. And it's really about just making sure that whatever we're doing 
is respectful of other people's backgrounds because I, I think that that's a key piece of this. Because <laughs> how can you go in and talk about etiquette, professionalism, and manners and then make people feel bad? I think you blew it. <laughs> if, if, if that's what you managed to accomplish was to say, oh, your experience was truly less than. So I think just being open to other ways of doing things is truly important. And you get some nice conversations. I'm talking to Kate Zabriskie. She's a business etiquette consultant. Back in a moment. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's The Assignment. I'm Audie Cornish, and I'm talking with business etiquette consultant Kate Zabriskie. Over time, what have you learned about your own personality, right, that, like, makes you effective at this? I'd like to think that if you want to be good at this, you need to be curious and to understand that you may not have every answer under the sun and that if you approach it as, what am I going to learn today when I go to this organization and tell me a little bit about your story so I can understand you as a person and a little bit about where you're, where, what you're about. So I, I think that that helps. And, and again, to not go in there and to, to put your way of doing things onto somebody who may have had a very different life experience. You know, we'll give you the quote unquote book answer if you ask us what the book answer is. But we really want to help people be as successful as they possibly can be and find their own brand or way of doing it. That, that's going to help them get ahead. It must be interesting because you also have a son, right? And is, is he in his early 20s? I have, I have two. So one is 17 and one, one's 21, 17, yes. So yeah, like they're going to enter a workforce that looks nothing like the one you did. Looks completely different. And, and I, I, I think that that's a, there is this generational component that does come out. And I think Gen Z gets such a bad rap and said, you know what? They'll complain about them wearing a pink stocking and an orange stocking. Like, think back. Some of this is just life-based stuff because you're young and that's just where you are in your life. So let, let's try to be a little bit more tolerant. And, and I know you've heard these themes before, but, you know, complaining about, oh, these people don't work. They're lazy. They're this, they're that. Or they say about people who've been around for a while, oh, they're not interested in change. So I, I really encourage people to do some less of that and, and to really 
welcome Gen Z. And if they don't know something, they don't know something. And I'll give you a quick example of something that my son didn't know how to do as well as I would have thought that he would have. And it was making a phone call. I said, well, you need to call and you need to get your transcript from XYZ. And he goes, what do I say? What do I say on the phone? I said, what do you mean? What do you say? I'm not understanding what you're asking me. He says, I don't know what to say when I make the phone call. And I said, well, why don't you know what to say? He goes, because I don't make that many phone calls, mom, that are professional phone calls. I, I, I mostly text my friends. You know, I mean, he's even texting. He's not sending an email. So rather than jumping down his throat and saying, who raised you? <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's, oh, wow. Okay. You don't know how to do this thing. Let's talk about what that's going to look like and let's practice it before you get on the telephone. So I think that that's a really good personal example of a something that somebody might not know how to do at work and your immediate impulse is to say, what is wrong with you? Why don't you know this? And instead, why don't you think about, well, gosh, why doesn't he know this? Ooh, that's right, because his whole way of operating is so different. I mean, anybody my age, by the time you were 12 years old, you could practically run an operating system. You know, you knew the phone left, right, sideways. Yeah, you were doing your call waiting, you were switching back and forth, you were like on the phone for a billion hours, you were cold calling your crushes, houses, and going through their parents to get to them. You had skills. Skills, soft skills. So by the time you show up at work, you know, you've got this totally wrapped And then you get this generation that comes, you know, 30 whatever years later, and they don't know how to do this thing that you look at as such a fundamental. But why would they know how to do that? And, you know, if they're like, well, you know what, let's time travel. I bet there are things that I know how to do now that you have no idea (laughs) if I were to go back to when you were my age. So that's one of the joyful parts of some of this, of people just sharing those experiences. And if you do this kind of work, right, sometimes it can even become... I don't want to call it quite a team building exercise, but it can be an eye opener when people say, what was expected when you came up with work? Sometimes I'll just put people in order of, you know, when did you enter the workforce? Feel free to lie if you want to lie. (laughs) You don't want to reveal your age, but tell us what normal used to look like. And so you're doing a lot of facilitation to pull those things out of the people who are in the room. Because again, the goal is to walk out of there with a shared understanding of how do we as a group want to operate. That's most of the time the goal. Kate Zabriskie is the owner of Business Training Works, a company that specializes in business etiquette and management leadership training. That's it for this episode of The Assignment. Of course, we always want to know what's on your mind, what you thought of the show, what other assignments you might want us to take on please give us a call. We love hearing from you. And as you heard in this episode, we might use your voicemail on the show. The number is 202-854-8802. Call, text, leave us a voice memo, however you feel comfortable. And yes, I listen to them. The Assignment is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Lori Gallaretta. Our senior producer is Matt Martinez and our engineer is Michael Hammond. Dan DeZula is our technical director. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We also got support from Haley Thomas, Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dionora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jameis Andrus, Nicole Pesaru, and Lisa Namorow. 
Special thanks as always to Katie Hinman. I'm Audie Cornish. And thank you for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.